0: I want you all, please, to rub your hands together, get some friction going. Put that over your face, put your hands over your face. Press, press your hands gently, gently, your heels of your hands over your eyes and let them relax. Then do that one more time. Get a little bit of friction going and then just put your hands around your throat and feel the warmth on your neck and feel all of that relaxing. And if you're comfortable doing this, close your eyes. Take a nice deep breath. And I hope you have some yummy herb around that you can smell. I've got a little lemon verbena, mm. and I'm gonna take you back in time now to summer out in the in the wilds of West Buncombe County. And the summer was always the time. Summer evenings after after we had shucked the corn or we had done the beans, and it was cool outside. And we the ups would sit on those those metal folding chairs that had the webbing on them. So if you sat on them with, uh, with shorts, you would get these stripes across the backs of your thighs. So just keep breathing with me and feel the breeze that is promising that fall will come soon. It's a gentle light breeze. And when you open your eyes, you can see lightning bugs. You can see the stars up above you. And if you're far enough out in the country, you can see the Milky Way. And it's like a beautiful carpet, a magic carpet that can take you from one place to another. It can take you into the future where your descendants will be. And it can also take you back in time to your ancestors. And there you sit in this cool, beautiful place with sparkling light all around you. And in your ears, you are hearing tree frogs making their fun, sweet sounds. And you are hearing the night birds as they sing and make merry. And the other thing you are hearing are the stories of your elders telling you about your ancestors and how they did things and and how they grew it and hung it upside down. And when it was harvest, whatever it was. And how they would can and can. And the funny story about your great Aunt Mary. And she didn't have the pressure gauge checked on the canner. And one year the whole thing just blew up and put tomato sauce all over the kitchen. So live in that moment that holds you in the love and protection of your ancestors. That holds you in a kind of hammock of time where you are neither in the past nor the future, but you are swinging in the present and you are informed by everything and everyone around you, whether they are physical beings like your parents and your siblings and the dog that is keeps rubbing up against you, or if they are the people that you cannot see the land spirits and your ancestors, and the song of summer as it moves into fall. And when you are ready, take one more deep breath and open your eyes and return here from that beautiful porch here to sit with your sisters and your friends.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Jennifer Braverman, and welcome to our podcast, Stories from the Earth where we explore humankind's relationship and connection with the natural world. This podcast asks the question, what are the many ways in which we can connect with nature in this disconnected society and how storytelling can help us? We invite you to journey with us as we explore nature through stories. These are the stories from the earth. If you would like to support our podcast, you can do so through our Patreon and link will be in the description below. Or you can support us by liking this video and subscribing on our YouTube channel, following up, following us on Instagram, or giving us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. All right, today we have a special panel. It is our summer panel. So we are all wrapped. This is our last one. We did all the seasons. So if you listen to this one, you come to the end of it, we have uh, a fall, winter one, and a spring one. All right, so I want to start off by um, having our amazing panelists introduce themselves. This is our biggest panel so far, and I'm super, super excited. So, Lori, do you want to start? Sure. Oh, we have two, oh. uh-huh. two Lori <laughs> You can start, oh, that, Lori. Go I ahead. It.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, my name is Lori Bura. I um, have a business called Herb Mama. I run a medicinal herb farm. Um, I do a lot of teaching here because I farm in the field and I in the woods. I farm medicinal herbs in the woods. Um, seems to be a hot topic lately. Doing a lot of teaching about that. Um, also uh, have a product line called Herb Mama. And uh, I am the newly elected president of the North Carolina Herb Association. <laughs> so, or at least in the winter part.
3: <laughs> yeah. Second Lori, we have Lori's Hi, I'm Lori Jenkins. I'm the owner of Sister Mother Earth, and I create wild herbs, foods, and honeys, firesiders. Um, I also do a lot of sharing in the community um, on kitchen medicine, kitchen witchery. So,
0: yeah. Hi, I'm Byron Ballard and I'm a writer and a sometime farmer. I hesitate because this year I've been on the road all summer. So my garden is crap. Uh, But in a normal year, I do uh, limited forest farming. I'm still new to that. And I have a big garden. I teach all over the country about Appalachian folkways. So that's my specific, um, my specific interest. Uh, And I'm just glad to be here with all you amazing folks. Makes me happy. Hey, I'm
4: Deanna Rose. I do. Um, I'm an herbalist. I do private consultations for herbalism, and I also tend the lands of Songbird Sanctuary, in the gardens. and um, And I'm a singer as well. Happy to be here. I'm Jeannie with
5: Red Moon Herbs, and I've been at the at the helm of the ship for uh, about ten plus years now. I grew up canning and farming and it's in my blood. All my grandparents were farmers of tobacco and then canned even into their eighties and nineties. So I hope to keep canning a long time and just having fun with putting food by. I love my goats, my cats and my kids, my two
1: uh, (laughs) human kids too, (laughs) Sophia and Sam. Well, welcome everyone. And thank you so much for joining us today All right, so we're just gonna dive in. We are talking, uh, well, I already mentioned it, but we are talking about the season of summer. Currently right now, we are actually going into fall, but um, we are at the tail end of summer. It is still really warm out. Our first question is, and it's really funny when I was, sorry, when I was writing these questions, I just thought about like, like a, like a, a little kid in school, like coming back to school and writing about their summer vacation with some of these questions. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Anyway, so this, this is one of them. What does summer mean to you or describe how summer makes you feel? What are the emotions that embody the season?
3: I don't look at summer I guess in the traditional way, um, I kind of turn into a hobbit. I want to stay at home. I want to tend to my garden and I want to stay inside and cook. Um, I do not in like and preserve and things like that. I don't I don't really enjoy summer. (laughs) It's not my favorite season at all. Um, Like the last few days, one of my kiddos was so funny. It was really hot. And I was like he was like, Summer is so overrated right now. I said, you are exactly right. <laughs> I mean, you know, the only reason I like it is because my herbs come back and I get to, you know, spend time with them. But that is the only thing. So I just turn into a hobbit. <laughs> I wanna stay home.
0: Well, well, I wanna I wanna piggyback on that and say I really want to love summer. I want to. Because when I was a kid and wasn't in school, I just ran wild and lived in the country so I could be and do anything I wanted to be and do. The reality is, I, the older I get, the harder heat is on me. Mm-hmm. And with climate change, it's just getting hotter and hotter. Mm-hmm. So I find that when I travel, because I teach at festivals, that I, I'm i looking at them now to say, okay, how hot is it going to be in Southern Ohio? Uh, in July and then what's the average temperature because because I'm going to be in a campground where there's no AC so there's not a chance of getting cooled off you're just going to have to endure it and as I get older I don't like the endurance so much but that being said I have to agree that what I love about summer is that tomatoes are amazingly delicious in a way that they will never be again this year. Yes. The watermelon is something, I mean, we just bought what we believe will be our last watermelon of the season. And there's something very sad about that. So I love the growing. I love the going out and 36 hours after you put the radishes in the ground, they've germinated. I love all of that. But for me, I, I, I want to just stay inside with the ceiling fan on and hope for the best.
2: not me i love summer i live for summer it is the best um i just well i the products that i make i make with the things that i grow so summer for me is replenishing inventory and Mm. um, i just love all of the surprises like every year different things come up and i have the kind of garden where things move around Um, I have no control. Like I plant things in one place and they show up where they show up. Um, You know, the first year they're where I put them. But after that, it's anybody's guess. And I just, I love the surprises. Like there's always certain weeds that, you know, are better one year than another and make me notice them. Um, the, The thing that upset me this summer was there were so many fewer pollinators out. And it was kind of freaky. I started noticing it last year. But there's something about being in the sunlight when it's warm that just, it just excites me. I just, I remember being a little kid in my grandmother's gardens, you know, with the sun just coming down and being in the dirt. My mom was always sick and she was in and out of the hospital. So the summer for me, was freedom and it was being in the dirt with the plants, not just the plants, but the fairies and, and the little beings that would help us in the gardens. And I don't see them a lot in the winter. I see them a lot in the summer. So um, I have had to make alterations because of the heat and my age. We'll talk about that later, but I love the summer. It's my favorite.
4: Yeah, Summer has always been my favorite too. I. Um... I'm kind of a mountain mermaid. So I love swimming season. So if I can go swimming and go into the rivers and the lakes and, and also just tending the gardens and seeing all the new plants pop up and, but, you know, as I have, you know, have been growing up, I've, I have been having to work a lot more in the summer. So I haven't gotten to play as much. So it ha- there's been moments of just remembering that, um, Remember, remembering that joy and remembering that time to make sure I take time for swimming and play into the summer because that helps me get out of the chaos of fast-paced um, work so yeah. but I always just like loved flowers too and just like making um, bouquets in the summers too.
5: <laughs>
4: I love the summer for the
5: bursting forth of everything like I let the garden go, I let my yard go to just see what pollinators would come this year. And like just, uh, there's aster family plants and you know, just a bunch of weeds. And there's even one of those grasses that's kind of exotic, invasive. The goats like it, so I've been trying to pull it. But you know, I kind of just let it go because being able to try to just maintain uh, the business stuff I have going on you know, and production kind of picks up, too. Like roots pick up in winter, but right now all our beautiful flowering plants are, you know, it's coming towards the end of it. But sometimes we're like, for instance, St. John's European, the Hypericum perforatum didn't do very well for some of our farmers. Our own garden uh, put off some, but it, we weren't prepared for so many crop failures. I'm scrambling around trying to find the forest one. And then everybody's telling me, well, the fourth one didn't do very well either. And that's the one that mm-hmm. just gives you that blood-like color that's got a little tinge of pink in it, the hypericum punctatum. But for me, just like seeking, like you'd be in the heat and, you know, you get a little burnt and then just go into the forest near a creek. That's summer for me to try to, that's my cold plunge for the summer, you know, to get in the forest and put my feet in the creek. And and hunt for punk too. <laughs> but I, I miss the window. They're all going to sea now, so yeah. It's a it's a, it's like morales almost this year. Like they're so
1: scattered, few and far between. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. For me, like I I feel like it's both two things. Like summer's never been my my favorite season. And as I've gotten older, I've liked it more. Um, but for me, I have a hard time with like the wet heat and it's so much easier mm-hmm. with like a dry heat. So like I can do with a sauna and it's very hot. So what do you do in the summer that you don't do in the rest of the year? And any, did anyone go on any summer adventures this year?
3: Well, I preserve a lot more during this time of year, obviously, and I make a lot more medicine this time of year. Um I feel like during the winter and I mean, well, late fall winter, it's just all about tea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's all about herbal tea because I've already made all my medicine and I just, you know, kind of enjoy um tending my hearth. That I don't get to do typically um, in the summertime. And I always seem to pick up um, my crochet during the winter months. And I don't ever pick them up in the summertime. It's like it just collects dust. And then, you know, when fall and winter comes, it's like, oh, you remembered me. So, yeah. I'm
0: laughing because I posted on social media a couple of days ago, it's finally cool enough in the evenings to (laughs) knit again.
3: (laughs) True. That is so
0: true. And and as soon as it gets really cool, then I can spin all this wool that I need to spin. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, in the summer I don't do any of that. It just feels it's too hot to work with wool and heavy cotton. Yeah, I think the thing that is different for me in the summer because obviously I'm ambivalent about it. It's the making medicine, just like Lori said, which is so dear to me. And I, I made some medicines the other day. I finally harvested some elderberries, though I don't really need any elderberry tincture right now. But those lovely fat heads were bending down and the berries were exactly that perfect roundness where in another day they would start to lose all the juice. And so I brought them in and I did one quart of of, uh, elderberry tincture. And it it does, even if nobody got that medicine or used that medicine, or even if that medicine didn't work, it does its job on my heart Mm -hmm. to be able to take those beautiful, gorgeous berries. And I use um, Appalachian Heritage alcohol to tincture with. So it, it, it kind of brings together all the things that I am. But for me, what the summer is about is lightning bugs. And it's about walking out in the backyard because we have too much light pollution in the front and watching the mating call of all these tiny insects as they blink off and on, off and on. That does something for me that almost nothing else in the year does. The only thing that is close to that is the winter sky when it's so clear and perfect and you can see everything.
2: You know, the thing that I love about the summer is just like listening and different plants call me at different times, but the summer's when they talk to me, I am so busy even even now I'm still harvesting. Um, but in the in the winter, they're not up, you know, I don't I don't talk to roots. I did a meditation one winter with friends drumming around me and there was so much buzz under the ground. I was shocked how much was going on, but they don't talk to me in the summer. They're all talking to me, you know, what do they want? Or just, they want some attention. They need some grooming. They just want me to sit there. They want some hair, you know, different kinds of things that don't happen other times in the year. Um, I just, I'm so busy and I love it, you know? And and then I I really do a lot of planning because I'm teaching more and more (laughs) off of here where I have to like travel to go places. So I have to plan accordingly. And that's not always possible because just like my children, the plants don't listen. Like when I'm not available, like they want what they want when they want it. It doesn't matter what mom's up to, you know, (laughs) but, um, no, I, I just uh, honestly, I I basically spend the year planning for the summer. The thing that that I really can't stand, and I know I'm a minority, when those leaves start turning, I just think crap, it's going to be cold. I am to Buffalo, and I don't like being cold. And we we burn wood for heat, so you know as long as I have the wood ready. Also, I know when the leaves are turning, there's going to be a frost. And the day after the frost is my busiest day of the year because that's when I harvest all my root plants. And then like I said, I do a lot of woodland stuff. So that's when I go in there. Even though September is ginseng season, I don't harvest it yet. I wait until the energy falls completely into those roots. People will come out to the farm. Lots of young people will come here, you know, for a day or two. They'll come camping and they'll work with me. You know, I get some help. I just think it's awesome. I was in Arizona this winter for the second time and I really didn't notice a big difference with dry heat. You know, a hundred degrees at eleven o'clock. It's darn hot. I'm sorry. I don't care if it's dry or wet. It's too hot to be outside. You know, I can manage 90 here, but I just I don't understand how I mean when I was in Arizona, I felt like I was on a Star Trek set. The plants were just so different for me. Um, and I couldn't hear them the same, you know. But anyway, hmm.
1: summer for me, yes. Okay, I'm gonna just skip down and ask this question since we so we get it out of our our system because I know y'all have been talking about it, but we're gonna talk about it. Uh, we're gonna talk about the plants. So um, you already have been talking about them, but um, what are your favorite plants that start coming out in the summer? Why are they your favorites? how do you use them? They can be medicinal, vegetable, or general ideas on the plants that we start to see this time of year. So what do we start to see in summer? Um, and uh, you can have more than one favorite. <laughs> okay, I'll go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I have four.
3: Okay. Yeah, Yeah, no, more than one is fine. Lemon balm, because it just it just makes me happy because I know, you know, as much as I don't like summer when my lemon balm is like super, super green. I know that the warmer months are coming and we always like that period of being cold for so long and going into a little warmer days. So like, you know, be able to know is my favorite time of the year if, if we're going to talk about warm times. But that's when lemon balm is like, it's like it's opening the door to summer. And then sage, just because I have tons of sage in my garden and I love to cook with sage, make medicine with sage, do magic with sage. I love sage. Um, And obviously mugwort, mugwort. We have a really special place in Marshall, which is nearby um, our house called Blanahasset Island. And mugwort has kind of just taken over. (laughs) And we were there yesterday, and um, it's just magical being amongst Mugwort and watch it grow through the season. We use it for just about everything in our household. Last but not least, she is my absolute favorite, Goldenrod. One, when Goldenrod comes out, I know fall is like right around the door, and the chestnuts are about to drop. So that is like... Mm -hmm the time for me. but we use Goldenrod in just about everything. I cook with it. We make medicine with it. I make vinegars and cough syrups for the winter. I do all kind of stuff with Goldenrod. Um, I just feel like she is queen. And you know, the bees absolutely love her because she is one of the last uh, to bloom in the summer. And, you know, they usually are at that dearth period where there's not a lot of things blooming anymore like it was in the beginning of the summer. So it's like a, a, a frenzy, this happy, oh, my gosh, I just love this flower frenzy when they are around goldenrod. And you just can't help but feel that energy. Um, and it's almost like it puts a pep in your step for the next turn of the wheel. So that is definitely the the gate opening for the next season.
2: I have a spot right outside my garden that's pretty big that I just let go. And if I were to pick it, there'd probably be like 100 pounds of goldenrod. Oh, wow. And it, it's just there. It just hangs yeah. out just just to be there for the pollinators. Hmm. My favorite changes every year. This year... <laughs> um. My early favorite um, was meadow sweet. And somebody gave me this plant like 10 years ago, didn't know what it was. He never paid attention to it till this year. It was taller than me. It smelled so beautiful. I just would sit there, you know, I just smelling it made me feel better. Um, Then I started to investigate and it's got so many great properties. Um, it's really, um, really good for inflammation. It's good for your stomach and digestion. Right here. I made a list. Well, I can't read with my glasses. Can't see without them. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Oh yeah. The tannins were for inflammation. Phlegm really good for phlegm. Like oh, I'm sorry. I got to go. Okay. My husband, my cousin's sick and they're calling. Sorry. Okay.
5: Well, <clears throat> I'll say something, or he's taking the call. <laughs> the, um, I just, I love like, as, as the colors shift, you know, uh, the red moon garden in Candler at the base of Pisgah mountain, uh, starting to get really full. And some of the things are annuals. So I don't get as excited about those, even though they're more showy. My dad has saved the seed off of man uh named charlie waddell and he only grows these one tomatoes and at other places i've given the tomato plants away that my dad starts from seed every year and the deer got them out in Leicester at big sandy mush and at my house uh, oh i have bottom rot and then at work they're just lush so i'm very excited that the deer and the critters and the bottom rots <laughs> Have not taken over those tomatoes. So I'm looking forward to, you know, processing some sauce. But it's just it's just lovely to see them go from green to kind of yellow to red, uh in contrast to a bunch of flowers at work, like calendula, mm-hmm. California poppy, mm-hmm. oh the passion flower were gorgeous this year, mm-hmm. and Vitex is blooming. The elder are out of control. They're drooping, <laughs> like what Byron was saying. It's like we're just You know, most people in North America get a lot of their dried elder from Eastern Europe because Mm -hmm. there's not enough processors. But this year we're attempting to do a little more dehydration because the birds didn't hit them so hard. Now, down east they did. The birds took them out early. Can I say
3: something to what Jeannie's talking about
5: Mm -hmm. real
3: quick? Um, I tried something different this year and it seemed to work really well when you cut the elder. Um, berries like you know cut off the whole head I froze the whole head so when I went to take off the berry they just kind of pop off Ooh. so it seemed to be I've never tried that and I saw it somewhere and I thought you know what I'm gonna try that and see because you know it takes forever I just thought I'd say that since you were talking about elderberry like I had a tray just froze the whole tray with them still attached to the head and then they just kind of pop off you know when they're frozen great and then we sat around with
5: buckets you know and everybody's got purple
3: Mm -hmm. purple (laughs) purple hands you know
5: it's kind of a nice kind of like the quilting quilting circles or (laughs) canning circles or shucking corn it's kind of nice to do it but i'm going to try that too
0: another
5: not purple fingers
2: Well, it's hard. I, to- I do that. I freeze them because I get too many at once and I can't deal with them all. So I just stick them in the freezer. I don't process them. I just
1: stick them in. Deal with them later. Do you need to like let them defrost before you turn them into a medicine or you just go ahead and process them into medicine? Usually when I'm making medicine, I'm doing something warm with it
2: anyway. I have oh, okay. a, a special yeah. medicine crock pot that doesn't get too hot. So I let them sit out a little bit, and then I stick them in there. When you have the frozen berries, uh, they tend to like absorb a little more water. We have mm-hmm. noticed
5: so a higher proof of alcohol, if you are doing an alcohol extract, is is better. Mm-hmm. They tend to take the, uh, you know, to take it to almost a non-shelf stable rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had some real low numbers come back with fresh frozen berries versus just fresh berries. Yeah,
3: we put the frozen berries in the water extraction because it seems to do better. And then we use the dried for the alcohol. Okay. Okay. Just because, you know, you want that control over the moisture, like Jeannie's talking about, you know, shelf stability, because you want it to stay above 25%. So, you know, when you add other moisture that you have no control over, you know, you don't know how much water's in that berry. You really need to be using things that are dry. Yeah.
5: Another reason not to harvest on a wet day mm-hmm. or even a dewy, yes. dewy morning
3: because yeah.
5: it yes. does let, let that let that dew burn off or that fog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though it's great to walk in the fog in the morning,
4: mm-hmm. these cooler
5: <laughs> mornings have been really
3: beautiful. They really have. Okay. How many people? How how many of y'all counted? I mean, did you count your foggy mornings in August? I was, I was, I've stopped doing. Uh, no. I've stopped
0: doing that. It's not been accurate for the past four years.
3: Yeah, the four years have been actually three years ago. It was pretty accurate, but the last two years, nothing. I mean, it hasn't yeah. even come close. But I did. I, I didn't count, even bother to count this year. I did count nine on my end, but I will say mm-hmm. this because we're big weather people. Um, you know, we are in an El Nino year, and mm-hmm. El Nino always brings a lot of nor'easters. And we're due for some winter weather. So I'm really kind of hoping this is it. (laughs) So I'm following uh... the weather
2: here. I guess this is our 15th year. And I have noticed that more of the weather is coming from the Gulf. Mm -hmm. When I got here, I would say maybe 5% of the weather. And I would say now close to 20% of it. And that's the intense precipitations. Mm -hmm. The seven inches of rain in a weekend. Yeah. You know, just because I have this big window and I, I just follow it. Mm-hmm. But we have foggy mornings every morning in the valley. So, you know, yeah. it's always been like that. Once we have cool nights and warm days, it's always in the fog
1: until about nine. So what is the uh, what is the deal with the foggy mornings for those of us who who don't know?
3: Well, for every foggy morning, that's supposed to be the snow total, you know, like a couple of years ago, we had stopped counting because we had had so many and we had about 12 snows. Now, were they big ones? No, only a couple of them were the last two years, especially last year was we we didn't really get any measurable snow at our house, which is very unusual. Um, no, we, so, we got
0: that vicious cold spell mm-hmm. around the winter solstice.
3: Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah.
3: So, I, you oh, yeah. know, they keep talking about it. We keep looking at all the different um, NOAA maps and, you know, all the predictions. But I, I do feel like this winter, we're due. Granted, I don't feel like the trees are telling us we're going to have a big winter. But last year there were lots and lots and lots of nuts and we did not have a great winter. So I don't really know everything's so messed up with climate change that we're not communicating like we normally do. You know what I'm saying? With the plant world. They don't know what's going on, we don't either. So we'll see. We'll see. It's we always looked at the squirrels and you could <laughs> what?
2: T- we could kind of tell by how much fur they were putting on for the winter. Yeah. You know, oh, and world. that was yeah. how I always looked at it. But I don't know if that would be the same here as up north.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: The persimmon and the spoon, and you know, the knife. Like the spoon, you dig. You're gonna dig yourself out of snow. I mean, we we've been cutting those for mm-hmm. months since Sophia was little. My dad, you know, he has a a really prolific. My dad and mom have a real prolific persimmon tree, but it's not been predictable at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been spoons galore. Yeah. But no spoon in the snow out.
4: Yeah.
5: yeah. I love so, blue vervain. I forgot to mention yeah. that. Yeah. We, oh. start, we, we added that to a formula called take it down a notch. But uh, <laughs> we were coming up with different names. But blue vervain was so beautiful this year. Now, the mm. milk, powdery mildew will get on the leaf matter. But mm-hmm. it's Not just like year. electric blue and purple. Wow. Uh, just yeah. spikes. It's so like protective. It's so many things. I mean, it's good for breastfeeding moms and abdominal pain, kind of like what Lori was saying earlier about her plant. Um, But it's just so calming when you've had, like, you're about to become a nervous wreck. I feel like Blue Vervain, and and thank you to Melissa Fryer, one of my teachers in Herb School, who loves Blue Vervain and got me kind of loving it, too. So I got it outside my door. There's a little rue in the garden for magic, too. I can't keep a rosemary or lavender alive but uh got a little rue got a
0: little sage got a little blue
4: vervain welcome with blue vervain this year too i um i sort i don't know for so many years i never took it but this year i just i was experiencing like high levels of stress so i um started taking blue vervain and it's been such a lovely medicine to get to know it's and it's fun after all these years like being able to get to know a new plant and um, so I'm really excited about blue vervain, and I've been telling everybody else to try it too. And so that's exciting. <laughs> I haven't grown it much, um, so I'm looking forward to tending to it and getting to know the plant as well. So
0: it it reseeds really easily, and and then it'll pop up somewhere else in your garden. That's yeah. been true for me anyway. <laughs> as it'll be in the backyard, then it's in the front yard and then side yard. Yeah, I use verbena hastata. That's the vervain I use. And the thing that I love to be able to add to an herbalism conversation is that blue vervain, well, all the vervains are in European folklore, they are weather herbs. So if you want to call a storm, you use vervain. If you want to keep a storm away, use vervain. And because of that, a lot of us have been playing around with what, what is it about vervain, ver, vervain that does that? There are some wonderful spells out of Cornwall for calling in storms because Cornwall, after the tin mines and copper mines ran out, the people along the coast were given the right of salvage for any wrecks that happened on the coast. And the, the, Cornish, the Cornish people are very canny. So they, they thought, well, you know, if it's Rex then, so they developed this intense weather magic to call storms and inevitably has to, to do with uh, Vervain. But what we've also found about Vervain is that if you are, as we as a culture are right now, dealing with a grief cycle, it mm-hmm. is a wonderful, it's a wonderful aid for heartbreak and grief. So, if you if you or someone you love is tending a broken heart, Vervain is absolutely your ally in that. I have four, so Vervain was one. The first two are just flowers. I, I love flowering tobacco. And part of it's because I'm from here and, you know, I don't grow tobacco anymore. My family doesn't grow tobacco. But flowering tobacco is so mysterious because it opens at night. It's it's a night blooming plant and the scent is just intoxicating. So we have that planted by our front steps so that we we get to smell it coming in and out at night. And and I'm a sucker for nasturtiums. And nasturtiums are a wonderful medicine. They're delicious to eat. But I love them because they're just so beautiful. And they're so bright and happy. And I just I love them. My my happy time in the spring is going out literally with pockets full of nasturtium seeds and pushing them into the ground anywhere I can. <laughs> and then they just they're just there. And then they've started reseeding, which is really lovely. But another plant that I am I'm just gonna say I'm in love with it, and it's rabbit tobacco. Rabbit tobacco pseudonithalium obtusifolium. It had appeared everywhere this year. And I use it as a medicine. I use it magically. I love the smell of it. I love the way it looks. It's kind of spindly and witchy looking. And then it has the sweet everlasting flowers on it. So I'm a big fan, big fan of rabbit tobacco. And yeah, we smoked it when we were kids. We did not get high.
2: I was gonna say, sorry, I got interrupted before. Another plant this year that called me and it's blue, it's got the berries now are these sumac berries.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. We had a, a gathering here this weekend. I have a lot of new neighbors. Like in the last five years, all of my neighbors are different. It's really hmm. weird. Like all of the old timers are gone for different reasons. And I looked at those trees and I was like, Rich, do we have a ladder? <laughs> so I climbed up and I picked a bunch and, um, I gave I was like giving them out to the neighbors like, "Well, how do you make iced tea?" I go, "It's really really hard. You pour water over it." <laughs> <laughs> you know, just <laughs> a little bit of honey if you want. It's a little bit bitter without the honey. And people were like just, you know, grabbing grabbing buds. It was so fun. You know, plus it was something to do and it helped the people understand like what I'm doing and how It's food and medicine both. You know, they were kind of interested. What the purpose of the weekend was really was to get them to see what I'm doing. Because down the street from me, it's the Pisca View Ranch, which the state just bought about a month ago. And it's going to be a park. And so I'm going to put a big sign on the driveway and pull some tourists in. So uh, I figured let them fall in love with my place before they see how many more cars are going to come down the driveway. So sumac berries—that's that's a new one for me. I always had sold them, and this year the person I sold them to had their own; they didn't need them. So I was like, let's go check out sumac berries. I don't know any medicinal qualities to them yet, but um, I'm probably going to make some salts and things. Play with that. Since we got some tonnage here.
1: Yeah, and you can make, um, like you said, they'll do the lem- the lemonade. They're they're tart. Even the kids from the neighborhood love the, love
2: the iced tea.
4: Well, today I harvested holy basil, which I was yeah. really excited about. Oh. That's just been a big ally for me regularly. Um, and my Another favorite for me at the beginning of summer is reishi mushroom, one of my favorite all-time things to harvest. I have a spring spot, and I um, it's fun to always do the pilgrimage out there every year, and i tend to just harvest enough Uh, and this year i got to bring out um two teenagers with me to do the harvest and it was just so fun to like we drank the tea beforehand so we would get in tune with the the plant and with with the mushroom and we just kind of adventured and it was fun to teach them about harvesting sustainably and how to leave some behind and and it was just um, a really special time and I also, of course, like love roses. And so mm. um, I love harvesting roses. And this year I tried a new medicine um, with roses. I harvested uh, wild rose and cultivated rose and made a tincture out of it. Oh. That you're to create some type of balance with um, like the nurturing like the wild rose within, within yourself as well as like the domestic loving um, like tending the home and tending the lands, and but also nurturing your wild kind of expressive side. And so I've been really loving that balance. Um, and I made it in Brandy kind of also to nurture my heart and also nurture others' hearts. And that's been a really fun new uh, blend I've been trying. And just kind of tending that balance within each of us. And we always, you know, there's, there's a lot of bad, talk around multi-flora rose and wild rose, but just making sure we um, remember to make medicine with the wild roses, too, and remembering to tend to our wild cells, too, but, and also the rose plant on the land here had stopped blooming for a month and a half, and I was like, please, can you just bloom one more time, please, (laughs) and she bloomed last week, so that was really she came back. cool. Yeah.
5: We have one rose hip at work. One. like <laughs> a nice size like this. I'm just watching it shrivel right now. But we planted Rosa rugosa because sometimes it was challenging. You know, we were thinking we could kind of control the cultivation. But it's a little challenge to find multi-floor rose in the right place.
1: Mm-hmm. Or finding
5: up rose hips to so use a little bit and bitters. I'm frustrated with multi-floor rose just because it, it chokes out some of my beloved woodland. Mm-hmm. That's that balance you were talking about, right, Deanna? Where you got to, it's a little wild and it's a little cultivating. They kind of fight each other sometimes. And also our inner wild and inner <laughs> inner uh, calm down and be domestic
4: and these things too, right? Yeah, and I've been doing that, I'm trying to remember about the the benefits of the certain invasive species, and trying to promote that so that just there's so much new love for expanded love for foraging, how about we promote the foraging of endangered species, rather than spraying them. And so that was that's what I've been a big intention of mine is just like teaching about the benefits of endangered dangerous, or sorry, benefits of invasive species, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that they can become more harvestable and more loved. And, um, and so that there's created, creates more balance because there is a lot to harvest out there. And so with our foraging teaching, teaching, how about we expand with, about the benefits and why are they here? Why are they so abundant? And I believe Americans need these medicines, hmm. these species. And so, how can we make them popular so that they can get we can get help harvesting them? <laughs> That's a big, um, yeah, mission of mine, just to expand that and not be like stop harvesting, stop foraging. How about we just start foraging the invasive species?
3: <laughs> yeah, that was like the um, the big thing behind my business when I started, because at the time I was taking Chestnut School of Herbal Medicine's first foraging course. You know, it had been a part of the intensive, but they took it up, you know, out and someone could just sign up for the foraging course because it was huge. It's a huge part of you know, um, what they offer and start taking that. Cause it's a year long course. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's all I want to work with. And to be honest, that's what I work with. I just work with the invasive species and just, you know, kind of, um, add them into my foods and my products, um, and get people eating them more because they're everywhere. And not that, um, you know, I go and decimate a spot. I don't do that. You know, over the years I've worked with farms and stuff like that, because a lot of these invasives pop up in farms because they love that disturbed soil. So it's like they just, you know, these farmers are like, please come take this stuff away. Typically, when I'm teaching a class, I'll say I'm not a I can't teach you foraging because I don't know the herbs that I don't work with. You know, I mean, I know a lot of herbs, but I don't work with them all. And I just work with, you know, these 15, 20 herbs and I can show you those all day. It is important for people to recognize that there's so much food just right outside your door and you need to go eat it and you need to process it. It's just like preserving your harvest out of your garden. Ryan and I went to my oldest child. We went out to place that we love nearby and there was so much huge dandelion and i'm like okay in about another month let's come out here and harvest some of this you know and put it up for my business for us um the leaf you know whatever we can take and uh put it up but people have just gotten out of that preservation mode because i don't know if any of y'all follow um linda elk i can't remember her black elk Yes, Linda Blackell. Okay, so she did this whole thing like, you know, a month ago about preserving. Everyone should be preserving something every day, every single day. You Mm -hmm. should be preserving something. Um, And I have this little teeny dehydrator that I love so very much. So like anytime I have greens that we just can't eat up enough um, or they're starting to go bad, I'll pop them in that dehydrator, you know, and grind them up, tomatoes, whatever I can put up. Herbs can be the same way. White pine, right now, put that in a grocery bag, a paper grocery bag, shake it every few days and it'll be dry and ready for teas. Preserve something every day and especially those invasives that are abundant, just like goldenrod. Once it kind of starts popping its little flowers, harvest it, dry it, and add it to your cornmeal and make your cornbread um, and your bread. It's nice and golden. Yeah, let it be filler, Mm -hmm. you know, so you don't use so much flour. You can use some of that goldenrod as your flour. You know, it's just people need to try and experiment more. But you're right. I agree. People are not focusing on those invasives, which are incredibly nutritious and, you know, very nourishing for our bodies. And they're abundant. Mama Earth just gives them to us. That's really
0: inspiring, Lori. Thank you.
3: Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I'm trying <laughs> uh, I love the ones that you can just kind of go
5: along like the goldenrod is so generous and the mugwort and you can kind of just like when okay you're if you're that's a great policy like just like Frank Cook said eat something wild every day yeah. well puts what you what you're saying put something wild away or yeah. preserve it but you know I, I love, love the ones you can take a bundle turn mm-hmm. it upside down and just let it hang and dry with a fan yeah. Or in the kitchen, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm always inspired by the herbalist or the gardener that you know. You walk in, and everything's a little chaotic, and there's yeah. uh, uh, 20 species of herbs mm-hmm. all the way. Yeah, yes, you know, so it's the best kitchen. I know
3: we've been harvesting all our herbs from the garden, and like going out to the island and picking. So we everywhere we can hang something, it's hanging.
1: <laughs> I I saw a um, it was on Instagram, and it had. They made a whole ceiling of dried, I forget what plant it was, but it was, they put up like a chicken wire. They put up like oh, a, nice. a, a, they put up some sort of frame in the kitchen and the whole, whole ceiling is full of these. Uh, it was a medicinal herb and I was just like, yeah, oh. I want to, I want to do that. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> want I get a, a house that I can mess with? i have a
3: funny i have a really funny story to tell really quick really quick so i used to teach piano years and years and years ago i had a little studio and i would always have my herbs hanging everywhere and there was a family and there was three children i would teach all three of them but they would you know come in stages so they would have to sit upstairs and wait till their turn well i had all these herbs hanging everywhere and the little boy he was probably maybe six or seven he looked at his mom and he was like does a witch live here? (laughs) She's like, yes. (laughs) So anyway, I'm sorry if I interrupted anybody.
0: No, that was perfect.
3: (laughs) Lori, I was
5: going to ask her, talk about your bundles you did at uh, Wild Herb Weekend, you know, where you can just kind of like pick from it because that's even better when somebody goes and harvests multiple things together or bundles them.
3: I know like rosemary is really good to create like as a base for a circle um, or like a stem to hold, but you can make like herb bundles and hang them in your kitchen and just snip from them. And we actually put them up in paper bags where the open part is on the bottom so that they don't get super dusty because that can happen in a kitchen. Um, So you can just kind of clip whatever herbs off that you want to do. You can make tea bundles like that. You can make cooking bundles like that. And that way, you know, if you're really short on space um, and don't have a lot of room to put jars and, you know, um, you can do that, hang them, you know, at your window or somewhere in your kitchen and just clip from them when you need some herbs.
1: Yeah. That's a cool idea. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to have the, uh, Kudzu culture on, so we are going to be interviewing them,
3: um, speaking of
1: invasives. That'll be our, yeah. Our January, (laughs) our January interview.
0: Oh, that'd be good um,
1: on the podcast. Do you have any rituals or holidays that you celebrate this time of year? And if so, what are they and why is it important that you observe them?
0: Well, um, we consider the beginning of August, end of July, the first harvest. It's a celebration of the first harvest. And uh, from the Anglo-Saxon tradition, it's called Lamas, But in the more Irish-based tradition, it's called Lunasa. And it's it honors, Lunasa honors the work of the goddess Tal Shu who cleared the land of Ulster so that they could plant crops. And the way it was traditionally celebrated, which not a lot of people celebrate it this way now, is that all of the tribes of Ireland would come together in the center of the country in in the county that's called Meath, M-E-A-T-H. And they would have games of skill and they would show off their handiwork and their weaving And there there was a time when when people would marry from different um, cultural groups. And I just love the idea that in the harvest festival, and that's the first one in my tradition, the second one happens at the autumnal equinox and the third at Samhain. But what harvest time as a celebration gives to us is a time where we have plenty and we invite people in. Mm-hmm. And I think that hospitality is the very basic and the very earliest spiritual law is that you welcome the stranger, you feed the stranger, you make sure they, you know, they have water and all that stuff. And So harvest for me always is a time when you begin to invite people in after the hard work of the summer season. So that's the reason I love it. Uh, and either of those, lamas is a corruption of loaf mass. And it's it's often celebrated with the baking of bread. And sometimes the bread is in human shapes. And it's also a time for making beer. So it's a wonderful, prolific set of holidays that I really love.
3: Yeah, we're the same way. We um, celebrate the seasons um, as a family. Um, Typically around uh, the winter solstice, we draw names and that's who gets the holiday and they kind of do all the planning. Um, Mm -hmm. Typically, if it's my younger child who's 19, (laughs) if he gets a holiday, I tend to have to help him. (laughs) But um, we always cook a big meal. We always bake bread no matter what the holiday is. Um, and we really focus on what we've been harvesting. We always do a family ritual. Um, it always includes fire, no matter what season it is. Um, and, um, we really focus on, um, you know, spending time with our ancestors, which we've tried as a family to do this year, focus on, Um, where we are, where we came from. And um, in fact, this year, we're all going to take the DNA test so that we can kind of see where each of us are from and what we're made of, which we're pretty excited. We're going to open it up at winter solstice. Um, So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty positive my uh, Northern European is going to shine right through. (laughs) Um, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, they have had passed on to them, but we do try to do everything as a family. We're a pretty strong unit and, um, we do all of our work together and at each different festival, um, or season change or turn of the wheel. We try to use that energy for the, you know, for the good of us and, you know, the good of those that we love. So, We try to focus on what is at hand right now and um, use that in our ritual, in our family doings.
5: Okay. I was going to say in the years past, and you know, it's something I, I I really am trying to let go of whatever expectations I have for my kids or when I was with a partner or not and single. But one thing that is sweet is that my parents are in their eighties and my mom suffered some health issues around on Christmas Day, actually. And so I've been going down a lot, but it's been really nice that I get to relive those traditions from my childhood and young adulthood of putting corn by or shucking together (laughs) and these things, you know, and just watching. My dad's kind of a bean counter and he like, this year was not a great year for okra for him, but, you know, each day he would count and some years he's gone as high as like, 400 pods a day or something or 500 this year it was more like yeah. 70. I got 70 today. I got eighty to, you know, to yesterday and fun to see how the harvest comes in very slowly, small numbers, rises up, peaks, and then falls again. So that's kind of a nice little thing to watch and witness. And then as far as rituals go, I love taking, our, you know, so many things in our kitchen that some we've grown, like, like I know Lori Burrow was speaking on the, the sumac. I love sumac and firesider, but fall is my favorite time. I so appreciate the summer gifts of a harvest to get to fall autumnal equinox, where I like to make firesider that time of year for personal use or with friends. Mm-hmm. And then the other time is winter and uh, that it's ready it in bulk or make it in bulk and that lingering thing that you sometimes get a little cough. Basically any season is good for making, but there's something about when the fall and winter gets here, it's even more special. We need that medicine from like ginger and onion and garlic and all these harvests are coming in. You know, these plants are dying back and we can take those roots and use them with some of the dried er- aromatic herbs too. That's my favorite ritual. Pre-COVID, right before COVID happened, we did an in-bulk 2020, and then things shut down. And I invited a lot of people thinking, oh, only a fourth of the people will come, and we just got in this house in 2020, early 2020. And I think 60 to 80 people were <laughs> here. we were all making fire cider, but it was like, the. I am so glad I did that. I didn't know things were going to shut down and it was going to, turned to silence after that until now. So I'm ready for another Firesider making around one of the Woo-hoo.
4: holidays. Yeah. yeah,
5: I'm ready. Fall Equinox, that's it. It's coming up, let's do it. Yeah.
4: Right, up. <laughs> it's 20th.
0: I came back from Chicago a couple of weeks ago and I had a, a dry sore throat and I didn't feel great. And I finished off the last of my Firesider so I'm really looking forward to making firesider. I'm waiting for the moon to change. I don't want to do it as as we have a waning moon. I want to wait till it's waxing. But I'm gonna do firesider this week sometime. Mm-hmm. I absolutely am because I can't be without it. <laughs> it's just, it's too important. It's, uh,
1: can or have you heard of anyone making firesider without vinegar? Because I can't have vinegar.
0: You know, somebody else was talking about that fairly recently, and I can't remember what the what the finish of it was, so I'm sorry. I don't remember. You know
3: that. what? You should do um, garlic honey with some ginger in it, with some onion in it, Yeah. Um, because it will turn into a liquid. You know, leave it in your fridge, but it will turn into a liquid, um, and you can use it just nice. like fire sire. Add a little cayenne.
1: You yeah. know, it would be great. Mm-hmm. I do do, um, I did a garlic honey, uh, mm-hmm. when in 2020 and I still, I still have it. So, okay. And then ginger honey. Yeah. Just add all of yeah. those things. Yeah, okay. you can
3: even, if you've got a little horseradish powder, mm-hmm. you could add it to your honey and wow. just add all those ingredients, ginger, onions, oh, great. garlic, mm-hmm. cause it's going to yeah. turn liquidy. So you can kind of drink it like a syrup if you wanted to add it to the water or tea. Mm-hmm. Nice. that. This sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> no vinegar involved. <laughs> awesome. But even onion and honey and onion. is really, really good. And right. um, yeah, just put all those things together in your jar. Just keep it in the fridge. In the fridge. Mm-hmm. I tell everyone in my classes, I always say fresh equals refrigeration. Period. Period. I mean, like for years, I made fire cider and left it out on my counter with the fresh ingredients. But then when I started doing this as a business and looking at the requirements, um, you know, what is shelf stable, what is not, it's kind of (laughs) scary. So I'm like, put it in the fridge. So, yeah. I usually just strain it. Mm -hmm. And then put it, keep it in the fridge fridge. always. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Cause it's just the same concept that we were talking about a little while ago with elderberry, you know, when you add all these fresh ingredients into vinegar, you're adding water and you're changing the pH of it and you're changing, you know, the shelf stability of it. Um, So you've got to put it in the fridge, keep it safe.
1: I'll have to try that. Yeah. That's going to be one spicy honey. (laughs) (laughs) You can add some turmeric in there too.
4: Mhm. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's
1: your firesider. There's my firesider,
3: right there. You're ready. Jennifer's firesider. <laughs> fire honey. Yeah. Like
4: that. <laughs> I made a bone broth recently, and I Ooh. um, my God, a chicken from the farmers market, and then after we ate the chicken, we made a Bone broth, and I added reishi mushroom
3: mm.
4: um, while making it, and also onions and other things. And gosh, it turned out amazing. I just remember to, uh, yeah, just like to add that reishi into the mm. onions, and I did some like lemon peel and orange peel. And so I wasn't feeling well mm. last week. It got me better really quick. <laughs> yeah, That's just good. like kind of remembering also that you can. I don't know, can you do bone broths? So you can also kind of just make like a fresh, like fresh thing with onions and stuff like that if you want to drink it too.
1: Well there's a whole thing about the oh. the the onion, you put it on your what on your chest or something. It's um, drawing. Drawing. Yeah. Yeah. Or just setting half
5: an onion in the room when you've got a mm-hmm. cold. I I don't know yeah. if you all did that. It's mm-hmm. like your parents or grandparents did it kind of draw the sickness into the onion, <laughs> or just the vaporizing, uh, just the smells from the onion probably help, too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Welcome back, Lori.
2: Hey, sorry about that.
1: That's all right. The question is, uh, do you have any rituals or holidays that you celebrate this time of year? Um, no. No.
2: No. Well, I mean, Rosh Hashanah is coming up. So uh, I do try to think about the year. Not very religious about it. Just think about, you know, put the year in perspective and journal a bit. That that counts. I write down some things to get in the to float, float down the water. Send it to the beaver dam down the road, down the creek. <laughs> <laughs> <I> love it. <laughs> I like that about the onions. That's funny yeah <laughs> we always did lots of garlic, so as an aside, my grandfather was the first person in America to have a lung removed and live. Oh wow, and what the doctors didn't know is that my grandmother kept feeding him garlic tincture, oh. Okay. She never told them. She did it when nobody was looking.
5: Was it a, a alcohol <laughs> base or
2: a vinegar base? You know. Oh, she just would plop it in the vodka and then give him shots of vodka. She didn't oh. even take the garlic out. Okay, today. I'm a fan of vodka. <laughs> and, <laughs> so this was twenty-seven, thirty-seven, thirty-nine, around nineteen forty. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This was about nineteen forty forty-one, okay. something like that. So she had two solutions to everything. It was either chamomile or, or garlic. <laughs> nice. Or just go work in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> no, oh, rituals. Yeah, we do one thing out here. We have mushroom day, where a lot of the young people who come throughout the summer, you know, I'll, I'll send out a note, you know, it's today. And we hang out in the garden with and do mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that kind of mushroom.
2: Yeah. Throw it right out. It's a good there. Ritual. Oh.
3: That's our ritual. <laughs> I want to come.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it's such a great time to, you know, a great headspace to be in with the plants, you know. So I wait till my teaching season is done for that. So it's usually by the middle of August I'm done. Except for my Zoom classes, but yeah, Mushroom Day here is fun. Nice. By the way, I looked at your questions. I do not read in the summer. Oh, (laughs) if it's not a recipe for something or what a plant does or a disease. All my reading is in the winter. You know, I do listen to podcasts, but I don't even have music on in the garden. I just it's me singing. Um, one of the nice things, though, about this summer was weird with the lack of rain. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bit of hemp this year and I didn't have to deal with the mold, the dahlias or the hemp. There was you know, normally I'm busy with my probiotic and I spray the undersides of the leaves because it takes up the space where the mold would come in. Huh. So it, it just keeps, you know, keeps the plants clean. Nothing this year. Last week it rained from Sunday afternoon till the middle of the night, Wednesday, with hardly a break in it. And there was a little bit of some of the, the hemp had some rot in it from that. But I would say like less than 5%. So I haven't had to go probiotic crazy, which is okay because I can keep the cultures alive over the winter for next year. So that was kind of nice. One of the other things that I do in the summer that I just realized I don't do it any other time of the year. I have a linden tree. Uh, I garden in concentric circles. And in the, the middle part, the hanging out part, is this linden tree. And I learned about linden trees from Julia DeBarclay-Levy. Rosemary Gladstar used to bring her over to the Northeast Women's Herbal Conference. And she would sit and tell stories. So if you look at the leaf on a linden tree, it looks like a heart. And the folklore is that when your heart is heavy, you sit with the linden tree, it raises your spirits. Hmm. I go and I sit with the linden tree and I send my cord down. There's like a rock in the sense somewhere deep in the earth. I don't even know where it is, but my, my energy knows how to find it and I wrap my cord around it and then I spiral up the energy from the earth um, and I run through, I spend time in each chakra. And then when it comes to my higher self, I ask my higher self to send it up and out. I don't know where it goes, but send it where it needs to be. You know where it goes. And by the time I do that, when I breathe out, I spiral down. When I breathe in, I spiral up. And I just sit in that space. I don't do it in the winter. I wonder why not. Maybe, I don't know. I'll just do it this winter. And other people have come and told me I opened a vortex. (laughs) I'm doing that for like 10 years. That's, that's something, I guess you could call that a ritual, but that's where I'll get a lot of my instructions for the day, you know, what to do that day in the garden. And it's funny because when my older daughter was here helping me, she came out of the restaurant business and like, they have certain things that they know when you come in every day, this is what you do. And it drove her crazy because I couldn't tell her what we were doing that day. I said, I have to get my instruction, you know, and it, come out later than me, and then I'll tell you what we're doing. And now it's like five years later, and when people come here to work, she goes, wait, she's still meditating. She'll tell us what we're going to do. She doesn't know yet. It's really kind of neat. you know. She's gotten to that point of being
1: there with me. Did you talk about self-care yet? Not yet. I was waiting for you because that's the question you added. Here's Lori's question. It's a very awesome one. What do you do for self-care during this busy time of year? Because a lot of us are herbalists and the plants are going crazy. Yeah, Lori, did you want to start? So I had to shift what I was
2: doing. Two reasons. One is, you know, my age. Getting older, um, I can't do as much as I could before. So I have to kind of plan differently. And then the heat. I didn't realize why I was throwing up in the afternoon or why I was sweating for three hours and couldn't stop sweating until I researched and I realized that it was the heat. Because I get lost. If I'm in the garden, I'm, I'm in a different zone. I mean, if you talk to me, I'm there and I can talk to you. But mostly I'm alone and I famously tell my husband, I'll be back in like two hours. And he goes, yeah, uh-huh. And, you know, I'm back like six or seven hours later. And I have no concept that that much time went by. I should know by like the pile of stuff I have, but I don't. So I had to train myself to listen to my body. So as soon as I have a symptom now, I drop everything. I go in and then I come back like after six when it's cooler and then I clean up or do what I need to do. Um, And the other thing I I do now, and I really wasn't going to do this, but I realized I can't be carrying these 50-gallon buckets up to the house anymore. You know, it's, it's uphill and it's not that close. So I bring wheels of some sort down with me so I can ride back up. I also bring a towel so I can jump in the creek, take my clothes off, and not have to put wet, icky clothes back on. But having wheels to go back up in was a big thing. So I am spending less time in the beds, having less beds than I used to. Also, and I'm just, that's why I'm switching to more of a tourism teaching model than not really doing herbs by the pound anymore. You know, it's going to be hot like this. So we just got to, you know, I'm not willing to give up the gardening. I live for that. So I just have to work around it. I used to lose 20 pounds every summer because I really wasn't eating much and I was sweating a lot. I do meal planning. And I make sure I have like good quality foods that are ready for me. So I don't have to first cook when I get back. You know, I have stuff ready for me. That's what I've been doing. And I feel better other than today. Um, In general, asthma is not related to my workload. It's related to dust. My husband decided that today was the day to vacuum. So um, it just got to me. (laughs) Hopefully, my goal is to do this well into my 80s. And I'll be 67 this winter
3: we yeah. sleep more <laughs> I know that sounds crazy um last summer last summer was probably the last year that I will ever work as many markets as I did oh and I right. just I had an episode at one of my markets and I'll be honest to this day I still don't know how I got home I was so hot like it took me days it took me days. To cool down and um i'm pretty sure it triggered some things happening with my blood pressure and stuff like that it was awful and i'm still dealing with so i decided this year that i wouldn't do that but just where we live we kind of live in the woods we have huge trees that cover the house and we only have a few windows that allow a lot of light in like i'm looking at mine right now um, but The trees still have leaves on them. So this house stays real dark. And um, in our bedroom, especially, we have one little window, just one. So it can be noon and it's pitch black in our bedroom. I mean, it's crazy. But I found, especially on the days that are super hot, you know, we keep it pretty cool in this house. And um, I just, I don't know, I just had to follow my gut. And sleep more because I'm usually up at the crack of dawn. It has made the biggest difference. It's totally against who I am. Um, But I guess as I've gotten older, I just I just have to sleep more. Usually, you know, all these years with kids young and running around, I could function on. Well, I say I could function. It's all caught up with me now. Um, I could function on really, you know, not that much sleep. I could go to bed late, get up super early and keep going. But now I've just got to sleep. So I typically stay in bed till like nine. Isn't that awful? Uh (laughs) No. no, no. No. No, no, no. Some days I feel terrible about it, but I feel so Mm -mm. much better when, especially on the days that it's super hot, taking that time for myself and then drinking as much water as I can. I don't know if this is just an American thing, but I think as a human species, we struggle with drinking enough water. And especially in the morning when we're so dehydrated during the summer, I really have to focus on that or I just, I just crumble when I go outside. So that's what we do. We sleep more, <laughs> stay cool more.
1: Yeah. So someone who gets up but before five every morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Uh-huh. We did that for, you know, the kids, I had to take them to um, AB Tech for the
3: last three years and we would have to leave so early, get up so early, leave so early to beat the traffic. I think my body's just saying, "Okay, you're sleep deprived, (laughs) time to catch up or consequences. So, you know, I mean, our our whole, I guess, society is just rush, rush, rush. I mean, especially in the last few weeks. People have been driving like crazy. I can just tell everybody is so busy and so um just not focused and distracted. And I just think that, you know, when your body's saying, Don't go out in the heat, sleep, drink more water, you should do it. You should absolutely do it. That's part of self care, just listening. To what your body tells you you need because not every season is going to be like this not every summer am i going to want to sleep it away you know um but there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff yeah oh, yeah yeah there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. attacking us every day um we just got to pay attention and listen
1: the, the thing i struggle with is um that i know what to do to take care of myself mm-hmm. i just can't always do it because of uh, work constraints, societal constraints.
4: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's um, it's hard. So yeah. I just want, you know, it's good to know um, it's important, but sometimes you know, and you can do, you should do what you can. Right. Definitely. Because right. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't
3: always been able to do this. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Right. You know, we're at a place now where I can, but you know, it, Take advantage of it when you can, you know, try your best yeah,
2: in the middle of the day and then
1: wake up and have our big meal
2: like four
1: mm-hmm. o'clock, three, four o'clock. Yeah. yeah Cause it definitely impacts uh, my health. I know <laughs> um, I can, I can definitely, <clears throat> I can definitely tell. And, and even, even if you, even if you're like, oh, I can, I can go like, I keep going, go, 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 go. You know, it's like, it's, it's, um, you know, later on it, it may catch up with you. And, um, it's really important to, to try to listen to your, to your body. I think that's the most important if you can go, 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 but, but maybe, you know, if you listen your body, might be like, Hey, maybe, uh, stop a bit <laughs> or something like that. Like it's, it's just, um, cause I don't think, uh, we're taught to listen. Um, mm-hmm and or it's i don't know i think it's can also considered weird <laughs>
3: it is yeah you feel bad you feel um, weird. Like, especially what? in my generation and even my mom's generation you just don't do that but um but it's not you said something just now um it may catch up with you no it will it will it will catch mm-hmm. up with you um so you know you just kind of have to look at it that way um, and do the very best that you can on the times that you have off that you can, you know, rest yeah. and just yeah. do nothing, absolutely do nothing. nothing. I saw some, do you know that gal that was on? Um, I can never say her name correctly, but she was on the Big Bang Theory. She was um, Sheldon's girlfriend, Malik. Um, what is her name? She's like this scientist. She's like amazing, this woman. Um, but oh, she, taught- she played Blossom no yeah 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 her, her, yeah. her. um you yeah, yeah. Um, did this whole thing on so cool. sitting. yeah she's so cool sitting and doing nothing like start off small start off like 10 minutes you're just you're just sitting in the moment you're not reading you're not looking at your phone You're you know you're just resting your mind doing nothing and it is like meditating but you're not like you know going through the whole thing but you know, and try to work your way up to 20 minutes. And like the difference that you have, um, your brain capacity and your brain function like completely changes, but it's hard. It's hard to meditate and do things like that. Um, But I think it's very important, especially for women to really take that
1: time for themselves. You go to the Y, you go to the sauna, and there's a sign, no cell phones in the sauna. (laughs) Yeah. So, of course, you know what happens. Uh, There's cell phones in the sauna. And I just like, you know, they'll these people will just pop in and they'll be like, sit in the sauna and the rest of us are sort of like, dude, no cell phones. <laughs> just chill yeah. out for a minute, man. We're addicted. It's nice to have a space where you don't have any of those uh screens and stuff like that and they'll they'll totally be there when you're
4: mm-hmm.
1: when you're done um yeah it does make a difference but it, it, i always laugh and giggle. and <laughs> also the part that says you're supposed to wear clothes and not everybody wears clothes which is totally fine but <laughs> i'm gonna rat anyone out oops <laughs> 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 all right i i wear some clothes because Cause I wet down my shirt. Like... Cause it's hot. <laughs> now I need a glass
5: of
4: sumac lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> Lori back in. <laughs> yeah, Lori going?
5: Oh,
1: her computer died.
5: <laughs> hey, what you got there, Byron? Is that something? Is
0: that some hooch? No, just water. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know I i've not been hydrating like i need to and i've just been drinking water for the past two days <laughs> oh yeah
5: on the self-care piece I, water definitely i've been really enjoying um uh, well several of us this this summer and last summer got dehydrated at different times kind of like what Lori was saying at a market but just like in the hot sun but i love that handmade um, you know you almost crave it just like an electrolyte you do yourself Mm-hmm. Similar to what y'all were talking about, the fire honey, but, you know, do a little honey, do a little lemon, put a little salt in it, a little water and whatever other yeah. herbs you want. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's great to stay yeah. hydrated. And then um, just some body care. I've been making that my ritual for summer, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, also being more consistent with exercise. It's mm-hmm. really helped my mental state. Lori, I really appreciate you saying that about sleeping a little more because I've been more tired this summer than any other.
3: Me too. Yep. All that busyness catching up with us, Jeannie.
4: Yeah.
0: um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. I had one of the hardest Augusts I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. And now it's September and I keep thinking, well, why are you so tired? Why are you so tired? You didn't do much today. Uh I didn't, but I survived August.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, I'll have a hard week and then I'll have a weekend and I'm still tired on Monday. And I'm like, why am I still tired? Because mm-hmm. I was still tired from the week before.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> I think we're going to wrap it up with quotes, some favorite quotes about summer. I unfortunately didn't have time to pull one, but I think some of us have one.
5: I love the sound of crickets so much in summer, you know, summer makes me think about crickets. I don't even know. I just quickly wrote it because I'd copied and pasted it. But then I realized, Oh my, I'm on my phone. I can't see what I copied and pasted. <laughs> Thinking about crickets, the crickets felt it was their duty to warn everybody that summertime cannot last for even uh, forever, even on the most beautiful days in the whole year. The days when summer is changing into autumn, the crickets spread the rumor of sadness and change. E.B. White. Oh, that's
0: really cool. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's
4: a good okay. one. Yeah. I have one as rest as the, as the theme. Um, rest is not idleness. And to lie sometimes on the grass under the trees on a summer's day, listening to the murmur of the water or watching the clouds float across the sky is by no means a waste of time. John Luba. Perfect.
3: Perfect.
0: I've got a a little bit of a poem by a woman named Misty Skaggs who lives lives up in uh, Eastern Kentucky. The granny witch said going barefooted is good for me and I believe her though it's tough to keep my eyes from rolling round in my head when folks start trying to tell me to get grounded. I ain't never left the ground to begin with. <laughs> I'm rooted real deep, dug in. But this witchy woman with a hex or two close to her heart, I believe her because I know how powerful it feels when there's fresh turned dirt between my toes. Oh,
3: that's yeah. cool. That's
4: yes.
3: Mm-hmm. Very good. All right, mine's kind of on the same theme as Genie's. To say it was a beautiful day would not begin to explain it. It was that day when the end of summer intersects perfectly with the start of fall. And Patchett. And I think oh, we yeah. had one of those days the other day.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes, we did. We did.
1: Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank all of our amazing, amazing guests today. Everyone's links will be in the description. So please check out all this, everyone's um, websites and Instagram pages. Uh, I want to encourage all of our listeners to go out and enjoy what's left of the summer. You can follow us everywhere. Uh, You can listen on Spotify, Apple podcasts. We have a YouTube channel, a Facebook page and a Facebook group. We're on Instagram and TikTok. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, please follow us. Also, if you'd like to support us with our do- your dollars, we do have a Patreon, so the link will be in the description. We are going to be doing a—we're um, going to be start doing some in-person panels here. So, if you're in the Asheville area, you could have a chance to see us live. <laughs> and unedited um <laughs> the, the first one should be around in november so uh, but there'll be more details we don't have any more more details yet so i'd like to thank everyone
0: thank Bye. you all so much thank you <laughs>
4: all right sweet dreams